Well, guys, today uh, there's a message that God just kind of put on my heart that I'm really passionate about. I just see so much fear around us right now, and I really believe today that God wants to obliterate the fear in your life. And so I, I'm so thankful that you're joining us today. And I, I think as we think about our lifetimes, it's easy to think of times when fear became everything to us, you know? Like, you know those moments when fear became greater than everything else? When I was a kid, I was at a camp, and uh, I was there with my family, and it was a really cool camp, man. I got to do all kinds of stuff. We were riding ATVs, we were riding horses, we were shooting bows and arrows, uh, we were swimming in this nasty lake. It was just like all this adventure, and you might think one of the things that made me afraid was crashing the ATV or falling off a horse or shooting myself with an arrow or drowning in the lake or something like that, but it wasn't. You know what got me as a little five-year-old kid? It was the fireworks show. There was this one night, the camp put on this fireworks show, and I'm standing there with my dad and my sister and my mom. My dad's a big dude, and I always felt secure and safe by my dad. But I'll tell you what, every single time one of those fireworks went up and I just watched it go up and explode, it felt like it was just going to fall down on me as a little kid. And I remember just being terrified. It was kind of like a movie. It's like one of those things that can still distract me a little bit to this day, even when I'm doing something Important. Oh, sorry, guys. Uh, uh, wait, I'll tell you what. It, it's one of those things that my fear became greater than everything else around me. It was just the biggest thing that there was at the time. And so I want you to imagine a little five-year-old duh with curly blonde hair and a tank top and some shorts that were three sizes too small because it's the 80s and that's how we did it. And I want you to imagine as those things are exploding over my head that I go running backward. I'm, I'm still looking up at the fireworks, but I'm running backwards and I'm slamming into people behind me and I begin to cry and I begin to run. I turn around and just take off. The truth was I was perfectly safe. But my fear had become greater than everything else. Has that ever happened to you? It almost becomes like all you can feel and see and think about is this fear that feels greater than everything else. Our graphic for this series, uh, Anthony made, I love it. It's this road sign with the word fear on it. And then there's this greater than symbol. And I love that because if you drive on the Long Island Expressway right now, they're telling you, stay home, go home, save lives. It just feels like fear. And I understand why they're doing it. Nothing against them. They're doing the right thing. But it just feels like even on the road signs right now, there is fear being broadcast. And often what happens is we get the greater than sign in the wrong direction. Right now, this is saying less than, right? Fear is less than everything on the other side of this. But the truth is, so often, we turn this around, we get the greater side going in the wrong direction, and our fear becomes greater than everything else in our lives. It becomes the only thing we can see or feel or think about. And maybe for you right now, the physical sufferings of somebody you love and what might happen to them is this, this fear. It's bigger than everything else. Maybe for you, it's the financial situation. How are we going to get past this thing? Maybe for you right now, it's that things will never become normal again. And it feels like fear is greater than everything else. I got to tell you guys, the fault mode for the human race is catastrophizing, right? The fault mode for you and I is to fear the worst, is to come up with how all the worst case scenarios are going to happen in the exact same moment. And I want to tell you something today. Oftentimes, our fears are silly or imagined. In fact, I would say, if I can kind of use this to represent, I have this jug of water that's 95% full, and I would say that 95% of our fear are silly or imagined. 
If you've been around for a while, you might remember this story. When Kelly and I were first married, we were in our house one night and we're asleep. And all of a sudden, we heard a noise. We both kind of jump up. Kelly goes, I think someone's in the house. I jump up out of the bed. I turn around and there was someone in our bedroom. And I went running at this guy. And as I ran at him, he got bigger and bigger and bigger until I realized I was chasing my own shadow. And guys, the truth is, so often with fear, we're chasing a shadow. It's 95%, I'd say, a shadow. Imagine something that will never materialize. But then there's the real, right? The 5%. The 5% that's not imagined. You see, the problem with preaching on a message about fear today is I'm preaching it in the middle of a pandemic which means some of our fear is real. Sometimes there is 5% that we actually have to fear, right? So what do we do with this? Well, for starters, we do not live in the 95%. We refuse to go ahead and let our minds play out all the catastrophes that could take place that will never actually materialize. But what about the actual? What about the 5%? What about the virus? That's a real thing. What about the financial situation we find ourselves in? That's a real thing. What about us not being able to be at school right now or with our friends right now? That's real. What do we do with that? I tell you, years ago, I preached a message at our night service, and it was all about fear, and I talked all about the 95%. I didn't really bring up the real. And so I felt good about it. I got off the stage, and this guy came up to me. He's like, I appreciate what you said about like, the fears that will never materialize, but what do I do with this? What do I do with the fears that are real, the fears that I face every day? And I honestly don't remember what I told him. I don't think the response was all that great. And I hope you're listening today, bro, if you happen to be tuning in, because I know what to say today. I know what to tell you about the 5%, the real. And so I hope today for you and I, as we face the imagined and the silly and those things that will never take place, and the very real that will find great encouragement. Because here's the deal, our fear causes us to miss out on so many beautiful things that God has planned for us. And I don't want that for me, and I don't want that for you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, your fear kind of may be crippling you right now. And I get it, there are a lot of people afraid right now. But I want to tell you something. The very same truth that I get to hold on to today as a follower of Jesus will work for you if you follow him as well. And if you lean in a little bit, to what we have to talk about here today. So what we're going to do is this. We're going to look at some parts of a really big story, okay? What we're going to do is we're going to jump around a little. We're going to start in Numbers, and then we're going to finish the story out in Joshua. And in Numbers 13, the Lord tells Moses to send some spies to explore the promised land. He says, hey, this is the land I'm going to give you. Like, this is a fact. This is what I have for you. You should trust me in this and not be afraid. In fact, he commands them over and over again. I'm with you. I'm with you. Do not be afraid. Fear me. Don't fear your circumstances. And yet, as he sends these 12 spies in to check out the promised land, things don't go all that well. What happens is he sends them out there. In Numbers 13, 18, it says this. See what the land is like. Moses tells the guys, see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. And so these 12 guys go on a 40-day journey and they explore the land that God promised to give to them. And what's interesting is, as they were there, their time near some certain spots should have actually strengthened their faith. There was this place called Hebron. I don't care if you're sitting on your couch right now or sitting at the table eating cereal. I want you to say Hebron. Go ahead, say Hebron. Good. 
All right. Now, Hebron is important because here is the deal. It was right near Hebron that God promised Abraham he was going to give these people a promised land. Also, it was from Hebron that Abraham went out and defeated many kings. Also, in Hebron is the only area that Abraham actually owned some land in Canaan. Also, in Hebron is where Abraham and some of the other fathers of their faith are buried. So listen to me. If you're near Hebron, what should your mind be thinking? God is big. God's got history with our nation. God's done huge and amazing things. And so these guys' faith should have been huge. And so the spies continue to kind of search throughout the land. They come back from this 40-day journey. And here's the report they give in Numbers 13, 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. They've got some fruit back. They're like, guys, taste this. They're saying the milk and the honey, it's real. We've been, you know, slaves in Egypt for all this time. And then we've been on this journey to the promised land. And there's actually milk and honey and taste this fruit. And you would think that people would be ecstatic. But fear is about to creep in, right? They're about to get the the greater than sign in the wrong direction. And J.A. Beck says this. He says, everything the spies said from this word on was uncalled for. In other words, they grabbed the hold of the 95%. They said, we're going to let our minds be full of all kinds of fear. Because look at what they say next in verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. Fear, 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 right? They're just spewing a report back of fear. They're saying our fear is greater than everything else. Now what's interesting is God sent these spies in there for a specific reason. You know what it was? to scout out the land. Their job was not to decide if God could pull off the miracle or not. Can I tell you today, your job is not to decide if God can carry you through this. Your job is to trust him. If you and I have ourselves in the seat of judgment over God, trying to decide if he will be faithful during this time, we are sitting in the wrong seat. And so if that's where you find yourself today, take a step back. Say, God, get back in your seat. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with this crazy stuff that will never even happen, but I'm also going to trust you with what's real right now and really scary. It goes on. They continue their report. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Now, Anak was known to be very tall, so this would be like you and I hearing the descendants of Shaq were there. Like, your mind goes to this huge guy, right? Now, here's the deal. At this point, as these guys are bringing this report, they're living in this mixture of the made-up and silly and the real, right? There were going to be some big people there. There were some fortified cities. The cities were big and there were some battles ahead. But think about it. Everything is now coming through this filter of Anak's descendants, right? Everybody, listen to me, everybody in those cities just grew a few feet, right? Everybody now is that big. Everybody now is that scary. And so there was the real, but they so quickly catastrophized and went to the silly or the imagined. And this is what you and I do so often, right? There is the real, but we go out to all the stuff that will probably never happen. And all the stuff we're afraid of grows a few feet, right? Gets a little bigger, gets a little scarier, teeth a little bit sharper in our lives. And so the spies go on a little bit more. The fear continues. They say this, I love this. Actually, Caleb is about to shut him up. This is great. The fear's gone on long enough. In verse 30, it says this. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up 
and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. How great is Caleb? Again, I don't care where you are on your couch, at your table eating cereal. I want you to say, I want to be like Caleb. Go ahead, say that. I want to be like Caleb. Caleb has eyes that are greater than his fear. Caleb got this right. He turned the greater than symbol around, and he realized something was greater than his fear. Caleb was convinced God made a promise, and God would be faithful through that promise. But look what it says next. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. Listen to this. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. They spread a bad report. Everybody say, I will not spread a bad report. Everybody say, I will spread the hope of God. They let their fear become greater than their God, right? They took this thing, they turned it back around once again, and fear was the biggest thing. And think about how silly they got, right? They start talking about how they're going to look like grasshoppers in comparison. Now look, Anak and his descendants were big, but they weren't that big. And so now they're back in the 95% and they're chasing shadows. Look at what it says next, Numbers 14.1. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is it the Lord? Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Listen to this. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Guys, that is catastrophizing on steroids, right? Can we think about this for a minute? Wasn't it the Israelites in Egypt saying, God, rescue us. God, get us out of here. God, we need to be rescued and saved. Isn't it that that God heard and then responded and then grabbed a hold of them and pulled them out of that mess? What does our fear do to us? It makes us unreasonable. Because now they're going, let's get, some, let's get some people, let's get a team together, let's get a new leader, and let's run back to Egypt. Guys, can I tell you something today? Don't let your fear take you back to Egypt. Don't let your fear take you back to places maybe you once were. Maybe one of your struggles in all this is to think, maybe I should have stopped following God a long time ago. Maybe this virus, this pandemic, this fear, my life right now is the proof that I should have gone back to Egypt a long time ago. Back to my old life. Back to just doing things my way. Don't let your fear take you there. This is where we struggle, right? This is where we wonder if the virus is going to wipe us out or the finances are never going to recover or if things are just never going to get back to normal. Well, Moses and Aaron, on hearing this, they fall face down, which as a leader, I get it, man. They fell face down. And then Joshua and Caleb, they ripped their clothes in mourning. And then they said this in Numbers 14, 9, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. And this is what I want you to hear today. This is the heart of what we have to get to because Caleb and Joshua, they had the greater sign in the right direction. Guys, please hear me now, right? If you kind of tuned out and you're on your phone or you're looking out the window now, can I just ask you to tune in for a second here? How do you beat fear? You have to fear something greater than your fear. 
You have to fear something greater than your fear, right? In fact, I want to kind of just take a synonym of the word fear and tweak this statement a little bit. Let's use the word revere. You've got to revere something or someone greater than your fear. The word revere means to be in awe of, right? How were they going to get past this? They had to revere someone greater than their fear, someone bigger, someone stronger. And Joshua and Caleb revered the God that was greater than their fear. They had that greater sign going in the right direction. Unfortunately, Caleb and Joshua and Moses and Aaron are the only ones who felt this way. And so Numbers 14, verse 10 says, but the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Can I just stop here for a second? And I just want to thank you guys as a church. Hey, there are good seasons, there are bad seasons. But thank you for never stoning us. I want to thank you as the staff's laughing here in agreement with me. I want to thank you guys so much. As far as I know, I I didn't get the invite. There's not a Facebook group about stoning myself and the staff. So we really appreciate that. But the Israelites had the greater than sign backwards. They still believed that fear was the greatest thing. So then the Lord threatens to judge the people. Then Moses goes to the Lord and says, Lord, don't do this for your name's sake. For your reputation's sake, don't do it like that. And God says, okay, I won't judge them in that specific way. But here's the deal. None of those who have feared and stopped obeying me, none of those will enter the promised land. Instead, they're going to wander for 40 years. Now here's what I would guess about you. I would guess, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you know that the Israelites wandered for 40 years. But here's what I would guess most of us didn't know. It was fear that ultimately led to it. It was fear that led to disobedience that led the Israelites to wander those 40 years because God says they're going to wander a year for every day. Those spies were in that land. And this whole generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, would not enter the promised land. Wow, I just think about how our fear causes us to miss out on some of the beautiful things God has for us. But let's get to some good news now, okay? Fast forward decades, the time has come. Joshua and Caleb, the next generation, it's time for them to go into the promised land. And in Joshua 2, verse 1, it says this, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies. And we go, oh no, wait, wait, wait. This is where it went bad last time. Maybe he shouldn't have sent the spies. But I almost wonder if he only sent two, because only two of them got it right last time. And he's hoping the spies are going to be like him and Caleb. And so then there's there's this really fascinating story in the book of Joshua where, we'll talk about this another day, but they stay with this woman named Rahab, and it's this amazing God thing and a redemptive story. But while they're there, I need you to see something. Look at what Rahab says to them in verse 8 of Joshua chapter 2. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in the country are melting in fear because of you. Isn't that interesting? The powerful people, remember they were supposed to be so big that they were going to make them look like grasshoppers? They were afraid of the Israelites the whole time. Why? We have learned how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt because they knew the Lord was with them. These people knew that God had the Israelites on their side. And I have to ask you a question Who was it that God opened the Red Sea for? Like which generation of the Israelites was that for? It was that original group that were in slavery that ended up in this time doubting God, fearing God, getting the greater than sign in the wrong direction. And think about it. The people 
were afraid to enter the promised land, but the people in the promised land were afraid of the people coming to the promised land, and the people on the way to the promised land missed what God had because of their fear. And God had already taken care of it. He'd already shown the world, I could part a sea, I'll bring my people where I want them. But the Israelites instead gave in to their fear because our fear causes us to miss out on some beautiful things God has planned for us. All right, on your couch, I need you to say it with me. I'm not gonna let, go ahead, I I didn't set that up very well. Let me try that again. I'm not gonna let the fear stand in my way. I'm gonna believe the things God has planned for me. Their fear caused this whole generation to miss out on what God had for them. After some more conversation with Rahab, the spies headed back. And in verse 23, it says this, Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river. I don't know what it means to ford a river, but I'm in on that. It sounds very manly. Whatever it is, I want, I want to do that. Uh, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. Man. They got this in the right direction, didn't they? The greater than symbols right where it needed to be. Think about it. They're still living in the real. There are still battles ahead. There are still fortified cities. There are still Anak's descendants, right? There are still some big fights ahead. But they understood somebody was with them that was greater than their fear. In the very next chapter, Joshua starts mobilizing the people. He hears this report. He goes, let's go. We're going to trust God. We're going to believe in God. We got someone bigger then our fears on our side. And he begins to see nation after nation moved out of the way. In fact, if you look in Joshua chapter 12, there's a list of defeated kings, defeated lands. Guys, do you know how many kings were defeated on that list? 31. 31 kings God moved out of their way to bring them into the land. And those were 31 real kings, 31 fearful battles. But thank God they didn't let the 95% keep them from trusting God. And they didn't let the 5% of what was real keep them from trusting God. All right, I'm going to try and set this one up a little bit better. All right, everybody say this. I'm so glad Joshua didn't give in to fear, but revered the God that was greater than his fear. So today, guys, I want to give you two different bottom lines. They're only different by one word, but I think it's important. I was going back and forth, one bottom line, two. There's a one word change I think is really important. First off, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you and I to do. I want us to revere the God who is greater than your fear. Revere that God. Say, God, I know that there's some stuff I'm making up that's never going to happen in my lifetime. And I know there's some stuff that may happen in my lifetime. But I am going to revere you because you are greater than my fear. I'm going to revere the God who's greater than my fear. And so this is the fear that will never get past this. This is the fear that God has abandoned us. No, God, I'm going to trust and know that you are with me. But now I want to just add a one-word tweak to that bottom line. And I think it's important enough to do it. Here's what I want to encourage you guys in another sense. Revere the God who is greater than what you fear. You're going, well, what's the difference? Well, we all know God's bigger than fear, right? We all know he's bigger than our fear, but he's also bigger than the 5% of what we actually fear. He's not just bigger than your fear. He's bigger than the stuff that you fear, right? And so I want you this week to say, okay, God is bigger than this virus. It's the 5%. It's the real. I'm waking up to it every day. People I love are being affected by this. And I hate school being out. And I hate work being out. And this has been madness. But I know a God who's greater than what I fear. He is greater than the financial struggle. That is very real. 
but that I'm fearing right now. He's greater than your fear, and he's greater than what you fear. Revere is greater than fear, right? Revering God is greater than anything we could fear, and anything that even has the real teeth, right? Now, here's the deal, guys, and this is the power of this. This even works in what we are afraid of most, right? You're going, okay, Doug, but, but I, like, like in the 5% is, is death. In the 5% is the thing we all fear the most, is death. But here's the deal, guys. We have a God who has defeated death. We have a God who is greater than even death itself. And you're saying, oh, man, here he goes. He's doing his preacher talk today. Here's the cop out. Here's like the Bible thing that isn't real, but he's got to say it anyway. Guys, I got to tell you, my mother-in-law is fighting for her life in the ICU, right? It's the 5% at its, at its worst. But God's still greater. God's still greater. And I believe with all my heart, our God's able to heal her, and that's our request. But even facing death, our family knows something. Our God is greater than death itself. Our God's bigger than all of our worst fears, even death itself. One of my favorite Pastor Bravone illustrations over the years was him talking about a missionary who had been captured by the police in the local village. And they walked him out into the forest and they were going to execute him. And he was told to dig his own grave. They gave him a shovel. He began to dig his grave. And as he's digging, his grave fear, of course, was all over him just like it would be for you and me. But as he's digging, he starts to think about something. He starts to think about that soon he's going to actually see Jesus. Like, he's going to dig this grave, they're going to do what they're going to do, and he is going to look at his Savior in the face. And he starts to dig this grave, and as he's making his way down, he's getting more excited about seeing his Savior, the reality of this. This is it. This is the end. And as he's digging and he's getting further and further, suddenly there's a commotion among the soldiers, and the soldiers begin to communicate with him to get up out of the ditch, and their village is under attack, and the soldiers, soldiers have been ordered back, and the execution is canceled. And the man is actually disappointed now because he knew something. He knew that God was greater than death itself. And I want to encourage you today, no matter what you are fearing, God is greater than it. He's greater than the fear that is imagined and silly, the 95% that will never even take root. And he's greater than all the what's, all the fears, all the worst case scenarios, even death itself. If you're a follower of Jesus today, Here's how you respond to this. Don't catastrophize. Don't give in to the 95%. Your your mind in God's hand is powerful enough to take every thought captive, right? To stop the thoughts that are fearful. Often we talk about stopping every thought or taking it captive with purity, right? Like don't think about this. Don't look at that. Be careful what you let your eyes see and your mind think about. It's the same thing with fear. Some of us just sit around and fear has its way with us. And the scripture tells us we can take those thoughts captive and make them obedient, right? Through God's power, through Jesus and through his involvement and his spirit in our life. And so when the 95% is creeping in, you go, nope, nope, not going there, right? And when the 5% comes in, we say, okay, but God's even bigger than this. He's bigger than the virus. He's bigger than the financial ruin. He's bigger than death itself. Guys, if we do that, we begin to walk free of fear. It's a hard thing. But I believe this with all my heart, guys, and I got fired up about this in the last couple of days. I believe God wants to obliterate the fear in our lives right now. We're going through something really hard and something really scary. God 
is greater than it all. Get your greater than sign going in the right direction. Revere the God who's greater than your fear and revere the God who is greater than all that you fear. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I wanna encourage you today to put your trust in him. Jesus got on a cross to make all this possible. He died in our place. This is a real event. If you're struggling with this, reach out to me. I'd love to talk with you about why I believe it actually happened. But today, if you want to put your trust in him, that would just be the greatest thing in the whole world. I'd love to pray with you in just a minute. And you know what? If you put your trust in him today, that's between you and God. But if you want somebody to know about it, please reach out to us. Please let us know so we can be praying for you, helping you understand what to do next, how to get closer to God. But man, we love you. We're here for you. We want to serve you. And this is a time our whole world has its eyes on Jesus in a very new way. And church, I got to say something before I close in prayer. Man, I can't wait till we're all back in the building together. And I think this might be true. I think we might never take for granted the opportunity we have to meet together ever again. I don't know if there's ever going to be a soccer game or a gymnastics event or sleeping in late or a boat out on a lake or a golf course that's going to take us from being together again on a Sunday when we can worship Jesus together, hug each other, pray for one another, laugh together, cry together, and be the church. But remember, we are still the church right here and now. And you know what? No matter what you're going through today, revere the God who's greater than your fear and revere the God who's greater than what you fear. Let's pray together. God, we love you, and you are a huge and awesome and powerful God. And we thank you, God, that you are with us today. You are with us right now. You have not abandoned us, God. You have not let us go. Thank you, Jesus, so much that you are walking with us. You're with my mother-in-law in that, in that hospital room right now. You're with all those that we love and care for as we're maybe out of work or out of school, God. You're a provider. You're a healer, God. You're a savior. You're a savior. You're a savior. Even death itself is less than you. Even death itself is less than you. And so God, would you obliterate the fear in our life today? Just decimate it. Destroy it. God, thank you so much that you don't want us slaves to the 95%. You don't want us missing out on the promised lands in our lives, God. And thinking we should go back to Egypt because of the 95% that will never even happen anyway. But God, even the 5% doesn't stand between us and you. The 5% doesn't stand between us and all that you have for us, both here and in eternity. I thank you that talking about heaven is not a cop-out today. It's the real. It's the realest thing there is. And so, Jesus, we look to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, can I ask you to pray about something that just has you terrified right now? Would you just lift it to God? If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, just pray with me now. You can pray something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. Thank you so much for getting on a cross and being crucified in my place and then rising back from the dead to defeat death and hell and sin. That you purchased for me salvation and eternity with you. Thank you so much for this amazing love that you have for me. And now show me what it is to follow you. God, we thank you today that you are greater. You are greater greater. There's no one bigger. There's no one stronger. There's no one else on the throne. We take ourselves off that judgment seat and we take absolute joy in knowing you are big enough and still strong enough to come through over and over again for us. God, would you help us revere the God who's greater than our fear and revere the God who is greater than what we fear. Thank you.